السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام على بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وأفضل الصلاة وأتم التسليم على سيدنا مولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم أجمعين سبحانك لا علمنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله Welcome to session number three in our discussion of the Islamic discourse is treaties that has been penned by Sayyidi Al-Habib Omar bin Muhammad bin Salam bin Hafidh where in which that he discusses many of the important principles that relate to institutions that are serving the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala institutions where in which Muslims are working that are that serving a cause either directly within the Muslim community or beyond the Muslim community in serving humanity. And he is teaching us and reminding us of some of the important principles that must be a part of these institutions and the individuals that are in them. And so, in the previous discussion, yesterday, we spoke about the integrity of the discourse and how it is dependent upon the integrity of the individual. And so in this sense, this relates specifically to those that are that involved in organization of teaching of some sort, of an educational purpose of some sort. And what's important here, especially when it comes to teaching the deen, is that we realize is that the individual state with their Lord, what it is that they say, what it is that they do, how they are internally, is of the utmost importance. And when there is a flaw and a gap in relation to that, there are multiple flaws and gaps in relation to the message that gets across when it reaches the people that they are addressing. And Sayyidina Habib Omar pointed out and highlighted many of the important things that we need to consider. And in fact, they're listed one to seven. And that he states that these are the most evident means for success in both enhancing and raising the level of the discourse. And I really hope that we take this seriously and we spend time with this material and we reflect upon it. We re reflect upon it to understand it, to understand how um, it is in and of itself, but then also to understand how it relates to us, how it relates to the organizations that we are working with or working for, and to also understand how important it is for the future of Islam in the countries in which we live and the organizations that are attempting to contribute in a good way to the betterment of both the Muslim community and beyond. And so there's a lot of benefit here that if we really think about this and many of the problems that we are all aware of, even though we might not be able to enumerate those problems or to articulate all of them, the solution is in one to seven of what we discussed yesterday. And um, that is the starting point. And after that, of course, there are details that need to follow. But this is a very important starting point, and if we can stick to this, it will save us a lot of harm and create a lot of benefit. So, today we are going to um, follow up on our two previous discussions, 
and discuss the title of this session is Principles of Success in the Islamic Discourse. And so we are on page 5 of the text as you can find it in your manual. And you'll see at the very top it says Principles of Success in the Islamic Discourse in Arabic. Awamul al-Najah fil khitab al-Islami. So Sayyid al Omar says, we find that once rooted in knowledge and steadfast and sound expression, the Islamic discourse becomes successful and capable of fulfilling the immense responsibility it has been entrusted with, which is of great benefit to the Ummah and to humanity. Lest we forget, when the Ummah falls short in doing what it needs to be doing, not only does the Ummah itself suffer, humanity suffers. When we fall short, in living up as an individual and as a group and as a community and as an ummah to the principles of our deen we are not the only ones that suffer those around us suffer the animal kingdom suffers the environment suffers and we have principles and a methodology of life if we stick to it things will be as good as they can be it's the world and there's always going to be troubles in the world this is the nature of the world in which we live there's always going to be tribulations and tests however is that if we can assume this balance that we've been gifted by our dean is that things will be the best that they can be as they can be here on earth and we have to recognize that and find very creative ways as we move forward in the societies in which we live to contribute this beauty and to contribute these great blessings to those that are around us. And so he says, this is achieved through five qualities that anyone conveying this discourse needs an ample share of. These are the qualities the All-Merciful commanded his messenger have, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he was entrusted with carrying, conveying, warning, and clarifying the message. And then he's going to quote the verse. So he's saying here is, after then we're rooted in knowledge and <clears throat> steadfast in sound expression. He now wants to point us to five great qualities. Sifat, khams sifat. That the one who is taking part in this message, clarifying this message, taking part in conveying this discourse, that they adopt and it become a part of them. And he's going to root this in the Quran, and in particular, the first seven verses in Surah Al Muddathar, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Ya yuhal Muddathar, O you wrapped in your cloak, Qum fa'andar, arise and warn. وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبَّرْ Proclaim the greatness of your Lord. وَثِيَابَكَ فَطَاهِرْ Purify your garments. وَرُجْسَ فَهْجُرْ Keep away from all filth. وَلَا تَمْنُنْ تَسْتَكْثَرْ وَلِرَبِّكَ فَاصْبِرْ Do not do a favor expecting more in return. And for your Lord's sake, be steadfast. So, <clears throat> there's five qualities that are mentioned here. And this is first and foremost an address to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu because he was the one that was wrapped in his cloak. He was the one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was addressing. And this is one of his names sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, al-Muddathir. 
And so, <clears throat> what are these five principles? Is that, he says here, the first principle is Rusukh ta'zimillah subhanahu wa ta'ala fi a'maq al-qalb. Okay? And that if you look at these verses, that it, that it, it starts with an address to the Prophet mudathar, And then, Qum fa'andar. Arise and warn. And so here, this command to Qum, stand up, arise. In a physical sense, actually physically, but also in the sense of arise in relation to the re resolution of your heart to convey what it is that you've been commanded to convey. So in the physical sense, but then also in relation to the traits in the heart of having resolution. Qum, arise. Fa'andir. And warn. And so the Prophet ﷺ was commanded to convey what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to him. And you can just imagine the society at that time. You can imagine how that might have been that taken by many of those that were around the Prophet ﷺ. But this is why Allah Ta'ala is <coughs> giving him this guidance on how to be, how to fulfill this mission. And no one that has fulfilled the mission that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commissioned him with, like our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu he is the exemplar. He is the one whom we follow in this sallallahu So arise and warm fa'andar. The first thing then is, وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّرْ Proclaim the greatness of your Lord. And this is why the first principle is what? Firmly establishing the reverence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the depths of the heart such that it uproots awe of anything other than Him and deeply establishes the intention to act only for His sake and to be sincere and only seeking His noble countenance. So again, Habibullah mentions here sincerity again. And <coughs> his oft repetition of sincerity is to emphasize time and time again its importance. So this is where it begins. And when you say Allahu Akbar, we say this with our tongues. But what we want is to have the meaning to be firmly established in our heart. Where we have ta'zeem in our heart for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We magnify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we exalt Him to barakah wa ta'ala. Such that <coughs> any having awe of anything else becomes uprooted from the heart. And this is not something that is easy. But this is something that we have to strive towards. Is that where we do not have fear of anything in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation. We try to remove fear from anything in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation where we only fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that takes strength at the level of the heart. And that takes struggle. And that takes reliance upon Allah ta'ala and supplicating Him constantly that He gives us this, that strength. Because if we're left to ourselves, we're ultimately weak. But the qawi, the strong, is the one who can make us strong, subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And so we should ask him to strengthen our hearts and to remove from it any awe, all awe of anything other than him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in doing so, this also opens up the door for sincerity. Because as long as we are regarding other things, we're in awe of other things, we might want approval from people, for instance. We might incline towards those various things. But if we've removed this from the heart, where the, uh, really Allahu Akbar, Allah is greatest, we believe and know and have certainty and don't have any traces left in the heart uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the greatest, tabarakah wa ta'ala, it helps us direct our intentions towards Him and to be only motivated for His sake, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then if you think about the blessing of the takbir, how much is the takbir a part of the life of a Muslim? And every day when it comes to prayer time, we're saying Allahu Akbar multiple times. It's that there's the takbir to ihram, which is the first Allahu Akbar where we enter into the prayer. And we're saying Allahu Akbar, Allah is greatest. Allah is greater than everything. Anything that is that you are doing, any pursuit that it you are barking upon, is that when we enter into our prayers, we should try to empty our hearts and to throw it. And this is one of the wisdoms of raising the hands like this, is that you throw the world behind your back. And you realize, Allahu Akbar. But even before that, the iqama also begins, the call to commence with Allahu Akbar. The adhan also begins with Allahu Akbar. Teaching us the importance of the meanings of Allahu Akbar. Naam. And <clears throat> he then goes on to say, It also strengthens trust in him. His promise and his granting victory compels one to truly turn to him, consign one's affairs to him, depend and rely upon him, be humble before his majesty, and have hope in his favors and grace. And look at all of those beautiful things that come from really striving to have the meanings of the takbir realized in our hearts. All of these beautiful things that we are in absolute need of, especially <coughs> when we're trying to convey this religion, especially when we are working in the field of da'wah and we're trying to serve at the level of an institution. These are all very, very important traits of heart that we need in every single aspect of our life. And if we have these traits, they will spill over into everything that it is that we do. And this is why the traits of the heart are so important. Because they make us who we really, they, they are, they make us who we really want to be, are these traits. And imagine someone who, that is there, his trust in Allah is strengthened. He believes in his promise and his giving and granting a victory. And he turns to him. He consigns his affairs to him. He relies upon him. He's humble before him and has hope in his favors and his grace, subhanahu wa ta'ala. What kind of state will this person be in? How, much, how many blessings will come to him constantly and regularly? How many situations will he be in that he then receives from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by virtue of his blessed heart? And then also, one must not mix the intention of seeking Him with seeking anything other than Him. 
and this is what is indicated by his saying, and proclaim the greatness of your Lord. So that's the first principle that comes from that verse, which is verse 3 of Surah Al-Mudathar. And then the second principle. <coughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَثِيَابَكَ فَالطَّهِرُ Purify, <coughs> excuse me, purify your garments. So the second principle is cleanliness and purity, outwardly and inwardly. And Sayyid al-Habi Omar summarizes that meaning when he says, This is attained by choosing well one's clothing, such one's appearance is clean and neat. So when we talk about purity, there's an outward dimension of purity, and there's an inward dimension of purity. And both are important, and of course, inward purity is more important. But we put everything in its proper place. And we want to find that balance outwardly, and we want to find that balance inwardly. And outwardly, how we clear, carry ourselves in relation to our appearance is very important. We should be clean. We should be neat. We should choose very well how it is that we dress, how it is that we appear before people. Not for the sake of people, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And our Prophet taught this to the companions, so that this is how it is that they should be in front of other people. And this is the way that our teachers are, is that they take care of their appearance for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because their body has a right upon them, but this is how they should be before that people as but but they're ultimately doing this for the sake of their lord subhanahu wa ta'ala so choosing well one's clothing and so it's a mistake to think that clothing in your appearance doesn't matter just as it's a mistake to think that your clothing in your appearance is everything there are a lot of people that outwardly look very nice dressed very nicely that smell good and are in shape and all of these other types of things even speak eloquently but internally their hearts are bereft of inner purity and that's a very dangerous state to be in and there's something about the modern world in which we live is that this is something we have to be careful of because there is an illusion out there and we were talking about this the other day when we were talking about produce for instance and um, multiple people have commented when they come to a place like the United States of America from somewhere overseas how the produce looks so good when you pick those tomatoes, when you pick those various fruits that you eat or the vegetables that you eat, but they've noticed how significantly diminished those fruits and vegetables are in taste. And back home, wherever they were coming from, they might not have looked as good because they weren't genetically modified or they didn't go through this whole process that the modern food in places like the U.S. go through before it reaches yourself. But it tasted so much better. And this is part of the modern world. Oftentimes things look good, but they don't have taste. Things look good outwardly, but they actually might have harmful substances in them that were used somehow in the process. And this is what we have to be very careful of. So that doesn't mean that we're just dressed uh, inappropriately or remain disheveled. No, you still 
take the outward means, but that's part of it. But then you really work as well on your inner purity. And this is the differentiating factor, is that we want to combine outward purity with inward purity. purity. Outward cleanliness with inward cleanliness. So that things look nice outwardly, but then they're of substance. And it is substantial internally. And so then he says, It is also achieved by purifying one's character traits from the frivolities of the nafs and purifying the ranks of those working in da'wah from enmity, falsehood, bad character, and evil intentions. So there are a number of different things then that we have to do in order to attain inner purity. What Sayyidi Habib Omar calls ru'unat and nafs. Translate here as the frivolities of the nafs. The nafs needs to be cleansed. It has ru'unat. It has diseases that need to be <coughs> removed. Um, it has things that it clings onto that need to be severed. And those that are serving with us in the ranks, they we also have to have, to have pure hearts. Is that we need to remove all ahqad, all grudges that we have in the heart for one another, all enmity that not telling the truth and having bad intentions, all of these types of things. Think about how this harms the service that it is that we want to offer. And this is one of the things that when people start to serve sometimes that is very difficult for them when they get into the realm of service, especially that if it's for um, in the, some type of religious service and they're not prepared and they think everybody's well-intentioned and maybe they are, but when you start serving it, you realize there's human beings around you and not all human beings are the same some of those human beings are still struggling with certain things and some of these things that need to be removed come to the surface and so for us to think that when we serve at the level of religious institution for some good purpose uh, or in an Islamic institution that everything is going to be easy and that everybody is angelic this is not the case people are people but we have to again agree to work on ourselves and the success is in in struggling and striving to maintain the our principles and uphold that these great meanings internally so he says this is what is in alluded to by his words purify your garments and i want to just mention it's mentioned this is mentioned and uh uh, the tafsir of uh, Bahr al-Madid by Ahmed ibn Ajiba, Sidi Ahmed ibn Ajiba. There's a famous dream that Imam Abu Hassan al-Shadili had. And in the dream that he saw the Prophet وسلم, and the Prophet said to him, وسلم, Ya Ali, tahr thiyabak min al-danis. Purify your clothes from that filth. Tahra bi madidillahi fi kulli nafis that you will receive the madid of Allah, the support of Allah, with every breath. And then Imam Abu Hassan al-Shadri asked the Prophet in the dream, وَمَا ثِيَابِ يَا رَسُولُ What are my clothes, O Messenger of Allah? And then that he said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَسَاكَ حُلَّةَ الْمَعْرِفَةَ Allah Ta'ala has clothed you with the garment of Gnosis. ثُمَّ حُلَّةَ الْمَحَبَّةَ 
then the garment of love, thumma tawheed, then the garment of divine unity, thumma iman, then the garment of faith, thumma islam, then the garment of Islam. فَمَنْ عَرَفَ اللَّهِ Whoever knows Allah, everything else will seem to be that small in his eyes. وَمَنْ أَحَبَّ اللَّهِ هَانَ عَلَيْهِ And whoever loves Allah, everything will be easy for him. That everything else will, just be, everything else will be insignificant. وَمَنْ وَحَدَ اللَّهِ لَمْ يُشْرِكُ بِهِ شَيْعَ Whoever that believes in divine, and witnesses divine unity, is that will never associate partners with him. And whoever believes in Allah will be safe from everything. And whoever submits to Allah, as Islam, is that rarely will he ever disobey him. And if he that sins, he seeks forgiveness. And when he seeks forgiveness, then his forgiveness will be granted. So then Imam Abu Hassan Shali said, فَفَهَمْتُ هِنَا إِذَنْ قَوْلُ تَعَلَىٰ I then understood the words of Allah, وَثِيَابَكَ فَطَحِّرْ Purify your garments. And that um, this is what we should be seeking. Is that garments, so there's outward garments and there's internal garments. And what we really want are these hulul these internal garments are these khala, these investitures. And sometimes we receive them during special times like in Ramadan or on special nights and special times of the day and in special gatherings. Um, and this is oftentimes when these types of blessings are received. And this is that these, these, car these garments are indicated by the words of Allah Ta'ala the clothing of taqwa that is what is good that is what is even better and this is what we want we want our hearts to be clothed with these meanings and as we heard our teacher say is that the difference between this type of clothing internal clothing and outward clothing is that when we wear this type of internal clothing is that it's never taken off your heart remains adorned with it May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with these meanings and bless us to experience them and that to be raised in the ranks of those who are gifted these great blessings. So, the first principle is what? Based upon the words of Allah ta'ala, وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبَّرْ Proclaim the greatness of your Lord, removing fear from anything other than Allah from the heart, awe of anything other than Allah from the heart. The second principle, inward and outward purity. How you carry yourself outwardly and we touched upon a few points a lot more details could go into that all of the etiquettes that need to be there and then internally what is the state of purity of our hearts and then we have the third principle and keep away from all filth and the third principle select the correct words and actions Rising above that which is lowly and foul, saying and doing what is finer and more appropriate, and not responding to a wrong by committing another wrong. This is what is indicated by his saying, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and keep away from all filth. 
and that hajara here is to turn away from, is to keep away from. And this word ruds here is translated um, as, as filth, and this relates to what it is that we say and what it is that we do. And rising above that which is lowly and foul, because it's very easy for us to submit to what the nafs wants to do. And oftentimes the ego wants us to do lowly things. And this is why the way of good character is the high road. And we even say this in English. And we speak of it in that sense. And it indicates that it's not something that's easy. It's something that you have to, that not fall, you, you, it's, it's a standard that you have to uphold that's high. And that you have to present yourself from falling into that which are the easy things to do, the easy way out. And we have to be from those people who rise above just doing what it is that we want to do and recognize that there's a responsibility upon our shoulders to do what is even better, what is even more appropriate. And one of the great ways this manifests is by not responding to a wrong by committing another wrong. They did this, so do we do this. This organization treated us this way, we treat them in this way. Da, 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 tit for tat. And we have to rise above that. Even if other people are seeing you as competition, you don't see them as competition. Even if other people are trying to maneuver and to try to do things to limit your resources or whatever else or to take your people that are supporting you or whatever else, we don't do that back to them. All of these toxic types of perspectives and toxic types of acts, we don't do them back to other people. We maintain our principles. And we realize and we believe that the secret for the long-term longevity, for the secret of the longevity of the institution is in adhering to your principles. It's adhering to your principles. And even if in the short term you didn't achieve what you wanted to achieve for whatever reason, maybe there was some people trying to block you or to bar you or to harm you or to speak ill of you, whatever else. In the long term, if you stick to your principles, you'll be successful. And there will be lasting benefit, which is what we want. And whenever we establish an organization, it should be with the intention that it goes on. And we should have a succession plan for people to take the work over. And all of these other types of things that are very important principles of establishing organizations. Um, and we're speaking more from the perspective of religious principles in relation to Islamic discourse and in terms of institutions. But there are other things that we could add to as well. One of them being the succession plan, which is so important. Always having people that can step up to bear the brunt of the work. And as people get older and as people move on, there's fresh blood that comes in to keep it going. Uh, but the intention to have it outlive us is very important, especially if it is a meaningful cause. So that is what is meant, that is what is indicated by and keep away from all filth. And then in verse 6 of Surah Al-Mudathar, do not do a favor expecting more in return. So what does Sayyidina Habib Omar say about this verse? And which is, he, he says, is the fourth principle. 
cutting off the desire for what people possess and witnessing the blessing as coming from the Lord of people while constantly moving ahead and continuing to work. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. This is not as easy as it sounds, but of the utmost importance. Cutting off the desire for what people possess and witnessing the blessing as coming from the Lord of people. And the reason this is difficult is because you're working with people. And you have to deal and interact with people. And in terms of the means of things getting done, it's happening on the hands of people. And you have people supporting the organization. You have people volunteering for the organization and so forth and so on. So there's always going to be people involved. But internally, you, we have to cut off our desire for what people possess. Now that doesn't mean that you don't ask someone to do something that has a skill. But what it means is Everything that you do, you do for Allah. And when you interact with people, you approach them first and foremost as a human being. That is, if they're believers, that you're working with them in the ranks and your goal ultimately is for you both to achieve safety in the hereafter. And if you are working with people who are not believers, that... The hope is through that work is that they will be granted belief and that travel a path of righteousness. But whether they are volunteering or whether they're offering some type of skill or whether they are contributing financially or something of this nature, is that that not having tama, having this greedy desire for what it is that they have and making sure that first and foremost you deal with that individual the way that he or she needs to be dealt with for the sake of Allah Taala, Not that because, oh, this person can support a project, so I'm going to give them preferential treatment. And so I'm only going to be nice to him because he or she can support the organization, whereas that person over there, you know, can't. So I'm going to treat him or her differently. No. And we should be just as thankful for someone that makes, if we talk about donations, a $5 donation as if they, someone who makes a $500,000 donation. And there's a very beautiful story of one of the great Imams of Hadramaut, Sheikh Abu Bakr bin Saddam. He had an enormous operation during his time in students and people that he was supporting and people that uh, he was helping and they would feed five to maybe seven hundred people a day. His kitchen was constantly that cooking food that they would distribute to people and to support people. And he had a lot of wealth outwardly and a lot of property and so forth and so on. And one time there was an older lady who wanted to make a donation. And she had just a handful of grain. And so she comes to the house of Sheikh Abu Saddam, knocks on the door, and hands the servant, uh, Sheikh Abu Saddam's, one of his servants, the grain, and says that I wanted to make this contribution. And that the servant said to her, like, do you know how many people Sheikh Abu Saddam feeds every single day? And that, you know, what, what's this really going to do? And Sheikh Abu was upstairs and actually heard him speak to her like this. 
And so she hands over the grain and then leaves. And then Sheikh Abu Kamasanam goes to the lady and thanks her for everything that she did and so forth and so on and that made her feel good and valued her contribution and then goes back to his servant and says that you know you can't do treat people like this he said and he said an important principle and it's not just about making people feel good in reality he said if we don't give thanks for what appears to be the small contribution is that how is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala going to give us more to really do what it is that we're doing in other words is that we are equally thankful for that small contribution of that small amount of grain how many people is that really going to feed when they have such a large operation but we're equally thankful for that contribution as we are someone who gives an enormous contribution that could feed 500 to 1000 people or whatever and we don't know where the blessing is as well maybe there's just an enormous amount of blessing in that small amount of grain that she's giving that is a means for blessing in the whole operation and so we should be equally thankful when people make small donations as if they make large donations and um, that um, and make sure that at the baseline we treat everybody the same and the meaning of same here is is that we do what we're supposed to do outwardly in, in relation to what's best for them and their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now having said that, there are certain things outwardly where there might be a little bit different in terms of how you deal with different people based upon the levels in society and things of that nature. And that has its place, right? نَزِّلُ nas manaziluhum that um, you're supposed to interact with people based upon their backgrounds and their stations in society and so forth and so on. But this, from this aspect of engaging people, and this has to come first, it's, it, once you start thinking in terms of your organization, um, it's very easy to get into the mentality of, as you go out and meet people, okay, how can he benefit me? 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 And this is one of the amazingly beautiful things that I've seen my teachers when they go on their trips and they go and they visit people. Um, there's not a call to themselves or to their organization. Rather, they try to help the people that they are visiting do what's best in their locale and serve with what's available for them in ways that are available for them to serve locally even if it's not directly related to, that, to the organization. And this is not easy to do. But this is of the utmost importance. And if in that regard you come across someone who wants to serve or wants to help out your particular organization, khair, that, that is what it is. Um, but we shouldn't have this mentality of like trying to take people into... This is not the way. This is that indicated in his words, وَلَا تَمْنُنْ تَسْتَكْثَرُ do not do a favor expecting more in return. Right? Cut off our desire for what people possess. The most important thing is their heart and the state of their heart with Allah. That's what's most important for us and that's what's most important for them. And that's what should be most important in our interactions with everyone else. Everything else is secondary. And if they choose to serve and they want to serve a different cause, we should help them serve that different cause if it's a good cause. Even if it's not our particular cause. And this is the spirit. And this is also relates to this sincere service that we're giving. If we're sincere in this matter, 
we can't expect everyone to do what exactly it is that we're doing. That's the door that Allah opened for us. And we should be thankful, and we should stick to it, and we should do it with sincerity. And if Allah opened up another door for someone else, khair. There's great blessings in that, and that we should support them and encourage them and still have a beautiful relationship with them, um, that even though it's not under our particular organization. So these are the, some of the meanings that of this. Then there is a fifth principle, which is indicated when Allah Ta'ala says, وَلِرَبِّكَ فَاصْبِرْ Translated as, And for your Lord's sake, be steadfast. So, firmly establishing the reverence of Allah in the depths of the heart, cleanliness and purity outwardly and inwardly, selecting the correct words and actions, rising above that which is lowly and foul. Fourth, cutting off desire for what people possess. And then fifth, patience and steadfastness on the path. La ilaha illallah. Anyone that's been involved in serv service knows the importance of this, knows how hard it is to balance your own personal life, your own relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with family, with the organization, with friends, neighbors, other people that need you, other things that you're called to in life. Sometimes we have secondary employment or sometimes we have primary employment and the services that are secondary employment or maybe we're even a volunteer. Managing all these different aspects of our life is not an easy thing. And it requires patience and steadfastness on the path. Putting up with whatever difficulty, struggle, harm, reproach, slander, or accusation one may face. Putting up with every difficulty, struggle, harm, reproach, slander, or accusation one may face. Because this is all likely to happen and not being deterred by any of these things. This is indicated by his saying, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and for your Lord's sake, be steadfast. And this is not referring to people who actually make mistakes where they need to recognize that they made a mistake and rectify that mistake. Um, and if people do make mistakes, they should be advised and they should correct those mistakes. Um, but sometimes that people's mistakes are really minor and they're blown out of proportion. Or sometimes they actually, that people thought that they made a mistake, but were they to have actually seen things from their perspective, they would have realized that it might not have actually been a mistake. Maybe there could have still been a better way of doing things, but it wasn't necessarily a mistake. So there's different degrees of this. So this principle is not saying that someone's actually doing something wrong, you're still being patient when people have a legitimate claim about them doing wrong. That, that's a, a separate issue that's dealt with uh, in its proper place and in the proper way. But regardless, we're human beings. And he organizations are made up of human beings. And every human being will have a human side to them. And even if they might be really sincere, they're going to fall short on certain things. They're going to make mistakes on certain things. And this is why they need a group of people around them that are not yes men and women that can advise them and can say maybe it's better that we do this like this or do it like this and they have to have the humility then to accept that and to that is what's called sometimes in modern lingo sharing vulnerability when those who are in charge of organizations share their vulnerability and admit that they made a mistake and admit that they did something wrong and that it could have been done better this is beautiful for the organization because it 
sets the tone where people realize they don't have to be perfect and they're not going to be perfect and mistakes are going to be made but we address those mistakes and we do the very best we can these principles are so important that they be balanced outwardly and inwardly so that the service can go on and it can be sustainable over a longer period of time but this meaning still remains is that even if that you're doing the best that you can. There's still going to be difficult, there's going to be struggle, there's going to be harm that comes your way, reproach, slander, or even accusations. But at that level, while you address what is legitimate from some of those things, you don't let anything deter you from serving solely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that not being distracted by what it is that people say or the claims that are being said. So then he says, the discourse in religious institutions today differs based on what each has of integrity and the principles of success or the causes of distortion. The Ummah is reaping the fruits of the former, though there is still a need for further expanding the scope and impact of the principles of success, along with increasing unity and cooperation. However, the Ummah still suffers from the latter, not just from the consequences of actions foreign to the Sharia that violate other people's rights, which have grave consequences. What is even more dangerous is how these misguided opinions that distort the discourse have become stuck to and attached to many people's lower selves and minds. These victims need their opinions and ideas to be rehabilitated and remedied, which is achieved through clarifying the proper understandings with excellence and by dealing gently with them until the veil is lifted from the hearts and minds of those whom Allah wills it for. So we had actually skipped over um, a a few sections because we only have five sessions to um, touch upon this treatise and so that's something that if you that do decide to um, that purchase the book um, you'll find where he said Habiyama talks about how uh, the discourse has been distorted and um, that and how uh, walking us through that what that has led to and what has happened as a result and it's uh, of it's a very very important topic so uh, we we do encourage everybody to get a copy of the book and to read it with reflection uh, inshallah ta'ala so with that we will we will stop there inshallah ta'ala and what remains is for us to talk about further developing the islamic discourse and uh say to have omar will mention 10 practical points uh, different considerations on how we can further develop the Islamic discourse and over the next two days that we will take five a day with hopes that this will be a benefit to our own selves for the organizations that we are serving in and for the organizations that worldwide that Muslims are operating or working in inshallah ta'ala in hopes that good be spread and it become widespread and the sunnah of our Prophet ﷺ be brought back to life and that we be people of integrity and be people of principle and all of our different states. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq and give us openings, ya Rahman rahmin and to bless us in all of our affairs. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.